Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. This is a very familiar gospel passage today. We all know the story of the Good Samaritan, um, but that's a, that's a story that, upon meditation, can uh, sink into our minds and can be applied to our lives in surprising ways if we give it a fresh chance. At the beginning of the gospel passage, a lawyer comes to Jesus and he asks him a very practical question. Uh, what should I do to inherit eternal life? It's not only a practical question, it's a, it's a good question, something we should all be interested in. Um, and what he's looking for is a methodology. What do I do? What should I practice? How should I live? And Jesus said, what do the law and the prophets say? How do you read them? And the lawyer responded with something that I think he had probably already heard Jesus say before, or Jesus wasn't the only one in this day and age that uh, summed up the law and the prophets this way, because his answer is exactly the same answer Jesus gives frequently, and it's what we say every Mass before we begin. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, that comes from the great Shema prayer in the Old Testament, and love thy neighbor as thyself. All of this comes from the old law, and these are the two main principles that sum up everything in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, that sounds good. I think you got it. Go ahead. So the how question was summed up easily in this summary of the law. How do I attain eternal life? Do these things. But then the lawyer, wishing to justify himself, says, but who is my neighbor? So he goes from asking a how question to a who question, and Jesus also switches modes in his answer instead of affirming a methodology. He switches to the mode of story. Who requires a story? When dealing with persons, methodology, categorization, labels, uh, be they scientific or sociological, psychological, are all inadequate. They don't do the job of describing a who. Story is the only appropriate approach to describe a who, to describe a person. And story, I think, is fundamental to all of life, in fact, to all of reality, because God, who is fundamental, he's at the very base of reality. He is existence as such, and God is personal. He's not abstract. He's not a vague force. He's personal. And story is huge. If it's at the fundamental reality of all of existence, then the only way to grasp existence itself, and sorry for dealing with uh, huge questions this early in the morning, but we are at mass and we are encountering the God of all reality. The way to deal with asking questions the fundamental questions, the questions that philosophers have been interested in for centuries, I think is to tell a story. Story is the way that we make sense, not of just uh, the philosophical questions that the Greek philosophers would ask, but also this massive tradition that we as Christians um, 
call the Holy Scriptures. This is, if we know how to read it, a unified story. Sure, it's made up of a lot of different books uh, written by a lot of different authors in a lot of different genres throughout a lot of different centuries. But read together uh, from different authors, like the four evangelists, for example, the key that holds them all together is Christ. Christ is the center of this entire story. And it's a big story, but we can summarize it. I'll try to summarize it, and, and this can, you can summarize it with different emphases or whatever, but here's in a nutshell what I think we could say the story of the Bible is. God created and declared creation good. He created mankind, bridging the physical creation and the spiritual, capable of worshiping and of stewarding the earth. But man favored himself over God, cursing himself with an inability to worship God fully and treat creation rightly. God determined to save the world from within, first by calling a certain people out of the world to be examples of his love to the rest of the world, and by revealing again bits of his nature to them by way of a righteous law. His people had struggled in their task, but God had promised them a certain offspring, a savior, someone to accomplish the task to which they had been called. This person was the word by which God created, the person of God as a son to the person of God as a father. The son had to perfectly submit in obedience to God in conformity to his will, since mankind couldn't do that themselves, and he had to make himself a man in order to do that. This submission required death, the inevitable result of man's rebellion. Amazingly, though, the son experienced death and nullified it by raising himself up again, accomplishing both the reversal of man's original first rebellion and enacting the first brand new creation. God's new task for man now is to join themselves to the son's new life, to tell this story, and to anticipate the rest of that new creation by living like we belong in it. The invitation to take up that task has been extended from one people to all people, and those who take up that task and live in that story are called the church. And they are helped by the person of God who proceeds with love and power from the Father through the Son. And that, in a nutshell, is the story. It's a meta-story. It's a grand narrative. It's huge, and we can dive into any aspect of that and just uh, spend so much time talking through the implications of each aspect and emphasis in that story. And in order to grasp it, sometimes we do need to break it down. We need to dive in and tell smaller stories. And there are a lot of smaller stories in that Bible of ours that kind of are like, like a fractal story. Within that small story is a smaller image of the meta story. But we also tell other stories in the world, not just the ones in the Bible. In fact, the stories Jesus told, these were parables. These were stories that he made up. He wasn't necessarily always going back and telling a story from uh, the Old Testament. He used the Old Testament as an example sometimes. When people were asking for a sign, he'd say, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Remember that story? So he would point people back to those, but he would also tell new and fresh stories. And people do the same thing. We are storytellers at heart. All cultures across the entire globe have stories that they tell themselves to make sense of the world around them. 
there's a great strain of stories in the Western um, inheritance of our civilization and culture that we call fairy tales. Uh, Ashley and I, my wife, have been watching this show that uh, aired back in the kind of late 2000s called Once Upon a Time. Um, and we're only on season two, so if you've watched it, don't spoil it because we have a lot to go. But the gist of it is the there are all these fairy tale characters from different fairy tales, and uh, they kind of are all amalgamated and, and live in one world. But then they all get transferred to our world and live in this town. And there's this ongoing thing with all the episodes. The characters spend a lot of time wrestling with living up to sort of the fairy tale ideals that they're supposed to be living. Uh, and the one who tends to call them all to their, their highest ideals most frequently is, is a little kid who's got sort of the purest heart of all. And uh, I think he's able to do that because his heart's the most pure and he's able to perceive the truths even when the grown-up characters uh, get mired down in, in the details of, of life and are tempted to stray from the higher path. There's a podcaster um, on Ancient Faith Radio named Steve Robinson that I've been listening to for years and years and years. And he had an old uh, podcast episode about story and fairy tales that I'm going to quote from because I think he puts his thumb exactly on what I wanted to bring out about this today. He says, these fairy tale truths struggle for their place amongst our grown-up notions of reality, our search for laboratory evidence, statistical certainty, scientific replication. The universe of our childhood is more real because it is certain that there is a mystery at work in the world, that there is a profound order we can only speak of through stories, that speaking the truth is best, that evil gets it in the end, that true love conquers all, that death is only sleep when one who is willing to die for love comes along and kisses us, and that someone loves me in my ugly beastness, and through that love I will someday become fully and perfectly human. Given the choice, I'll take my fairy tales over the dull certainty of my scientific adult world, thank you. The gospel is the most marvelous of all fairy tales, but it's not a fairy tale. The story of some imaginary land with dragons and princes and evil giants. The gospel is truth, the fulfillment of all our fairy tale human hopes and desires to be saved from the frightening and dark world and even from ourselves by some benevolent fairy godmother, by some prince, by someone whose love is pure whose invincible goodness is stronger than the evil of the wicked witch. And we know within the child inside us all that without that fairy tale hope, we don't have a hope in the world. I think we all know that because we all live our own stories day to day. We not only tell stories about the whole world to make sense of it, we tell stories about ourselves to make sense of our lives, to be able to think cohesively and coherently about all that's happened to us and about all that we dream. Our small stories are part of this larger story and we're all looking for ways that we fit into it. And our own stories, I think, are closely related to the story that Jesus tells in the gospel today. Again, 
looking at this story not as an external way of finding our neighbor out there, but of finding ourselves in that story. To ask not only who our neighbor is, but to ask who is a neighbor to us. Because we all, busy on our ways in life, end up hurt and injured and sick and in pain and disappointed by those who couldn't or wouldn't help us and pass by. And then we come to the Samaritan. Either we tell this story where the Samaritan has met us maybe in the past, or we hope still that a good Samaritan will come to meet us. But the past and the future aren't where we live. Where we live is the present. We have to tell stories to make sense of past and future, but we live right here today. And today we are being met by the good Samaritan. And that's Christ who comes following us from Jerusalem to Jericho, that is from heaven, from paradise, to the place that we have fallen to. He, unlike others who pass us by, comes to meet us exactly where we are. He pours in oil and wine to heal our wounds. That is, he gives us teaching. He gives us sacraments. He gives us all kinds of means of healing. He puts us up on his beast of burden, that is, his flesh. He, God, pure spirit, took on our flesh so that he could lift our flesh up. Then he takes us to the inn, the church, where he entrusts us to the care of the innkeeper, that is, the apostles, their successors, the bishops, and our pastors. He gives them two coins to help take care of us. That is the Old and New Testaments of this unified story, the Holy Bible. And he promises to come again and take care of anything that's still lacking. So today, as people who have fallen on our way, are beat up, have been abandoned, we are here to meet the one who takes care of us, lifts us up, transports us to where we're safe, gives us what we need to continue on, and assures us that he will be back to meet us so that we can see him as he is. This is the gospel story being applied to each of our stories. This is, looking at it the other way, our stories participating in the one gospel story of the world. I'll let Steve's words finish this out. The gospel is the mystery of God told in a foolish story that's as real as suffering, separation, despair, lies, envy, pride, death, resurrection from the dead, hope, love, mercy, and truth. A mystery that only a child would believe or an adult who's not ashamed to admit the truth about the emperor's new clothes or his own nakedness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.